Hello, hello. Hello, regular Jews. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 39. Uh, we're going to be discussing Girl Detective number 13, Tradewind Danger. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to Regular Nancy Drew. Another 2005 publication. Yeah. This is there's a lot in the, 2005. They must have been really busy that year. The one we're going to read next was also published in 2005. Wow, okay. They just cranked them out back then. Did they all come out in 2005? <laughs> they were just like, here's the whole series. There you go. Bye. And then noped out. Jeez. Well, I guess if you have a bunch of different ghostwriters, it's easier to do that. But like. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. You could just have them all write it at, this, at the same yeah. time. Huh. All right. Wow. I would assume we'd be on 2006 by now, but at Surely. least. Surely. No. Or that like it would have been like 2003, you know. Yeah. Any, anywhere around <laughs> There, no. Well, we've kind of been going like, we've always done one later. We haven't jumped around as much as we normally yeah. do. So I think it was one and yeah, then three true. and then that's ten. True. And, yeah. So. Yeah. But. That's a good point. I don't know about you. I was relieved to finally have one that I didn't absolutely hate. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> Although it irritates me. This one irritates me quite a yeah. bit. But I didn't hate it. I didn't hate reading it. It was just like when I got to the end, I was like. Holy sigh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not that the ending was disappointing, but uh, well, I'll talk about it later. But yeah, uh, it was fine. I think if you look at it too closely, it does fall apart a little bit, but it's certainly better than <laughs> any of the other ones we've read so far. Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And also, like, non, like, thank God it was non offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was, I was waiting for it too because obviously we we in this book we go to hawaii mm-hmm. and i was like oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> like what are we gonna experience but it wasn't that bad no it's fine i don't think um we didn't delve t- too much into it we we kind of we briefly discussed the folklore and that's where i was worried like what are we gonna say about right. this it's gonna be offensive but we didn't really talk about it that much so Even i was like okay kind of relevant but yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, we, we discussed it enough in a way that, like, we knew what it was. It right. wasn't like they ignored it, and it was central to the plot of the book, but they didn't really discuss, like, it's, like, how they felt about it or anything, right. you know? Like, there wasn't any weird shade or stuff like that in regards to it. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe the brow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank goodness. We don't need any more of that, because last time was rough. But mostly, I was just annoyed with the fact that we had to go to San Francisco and then go to Hawaii. Yeah. Like, especially because at the beginning of the book, we talk so much about, like, exciting San Francisco things they're going to do. Yeah. Like, they talk about going to Chinatown, and they talk about taking a tour of Alcatraz. And I'm like, oh, my God. Are we going to have an Alcatraz mystery? Oh, that'd be fun. Um, wouldn't it have been so cool? Yeah. And Bess gets a mysterious note in a fortune cookie. And I'm like, oh, my God. Someone's trying to warn them about something. But we don't. But it's not relevant to the story at all. No, it's, at just, all. A, it's just a cliffhanger thing. 
And and then we just go to Hawaii and all the mysteries in Hawaii. And I'm like, why? San Francisco deserves its own thing. It does. Clearly you were yeah. getting into some good stuff there. But then we just about face and turn. I, I mean, I know they have to set up the mystery, but they just took so long to do it that it was like, well, switching <laughs> gears here. Now we're in Hawaii. And then they didn't have as much time to actually do the Hawaii thing. So... Oh, well. well, and I think it would have it would have made so much more sense if the book started off on the tail end of like Nancy Bess and George's vacation instead of the beginning. Oh, yeah, that would have been um, nice. because I think then we would have felt like, OK, well, you know, they're wrapping this up. So what's going to happen next? If that's the start of the book, then you're curious, like what could possibly be next? Right. And then and then also like you don't feel like you're waiting for the exciting things they're going to do on this vacation. You feel like, OK, well, they've you know, they've done those things, even though like we as the reader wouldn't have experienced it. Like we wouldn't have felt like we were expecting it, which I was. And then I felt disappointed that I didn't get a tour of Alcatraz. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I know they try so hard for these to be like, or not for them to be educational, but to have those educational aspects in them. Mm. It's like, give me more Alcatraz. Let's get the history of that. Let's get more (laughs) San Francisco information, but yeah, not as much. But that's okay. No. I also thought it was an interesting place to set it at the beginning of this mystery. And I wasn't sure why they chose that instead of like, I don't know, maybe something like somewhere colder. Like, um, like, I don't know, somewhere they maybe make a ski vacation or something that was like less... So the, that Hawaii would be more of a contrast, right. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like, I don't know why I felt like that would be necessary, but just like, it, I just felt like it, it was, San Francisco was just like a weird, because it's yeah. so much in and of itself, right. like such a iconic place full of a lot of already like really established mysteries it's on the West Coast, mm-hmm. which is like serial killer central. Right. <laughs> um, and so it's like it already holds so much expectation. Whereas if they had just gone to like Colorado or something or somewhere up in the mountains or something or Vermont on like a ski vacation, then it would have been a lot more impactful to be like, Oh, actually we have this very tropical mystery. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. My best guess is just that like proximity, it's the closest. I mean, if you're going to fly to Hawaii, you might as well fly out of, I guess Los Angeles mm. or San Francisco, That's you know. So maybe it was That's just like point. convenient. It made it seem easier because if you're in Vermont and somebody's like, "Do you want to go to Hawaii now?" You're gonna be like, "Uh, that's kind of far." But if it's just like you hop on this <laughs> one plane and then it's a direct flight, that's a little bit easier to to sell, I that's guess. True. So, I mean, not that that's relevant at all, but yeah. I mean, it's also I guess that um, the like the premise of the book kind of revolves around publishing. Right. Um, Oh, does it ever? (laughs) And so I guess it has to happen in a major city. Um, That makes sense. But I don't, I don't know. San Francisco feels like a weird, a weird choice to me. Maybe like LA or something. I I don't know. Hmm. It's just odd. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. So overall, though, it sounds like you are in the, you liked it. Yes. yes. I mean, it's not. It's not as good as some of the other series that we read, and I expected that, but it's way better than the previous three so that we've done. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. 
I just, yeah, I think yeah, just sorry. Go ahead. No, go. <laughs> I was just gonna say I think yeah, the girl detective series in general is just out. Yeah, flop. Yeah, for me, and that's okay. It's just overall, which is really disappointing because I felt like it had a lot of things going for it at the beginning, um, but unfortunately, they don't override yeah. all the other crap. So, <laughs> what were you gonna say? Well, it is a little different to have one not set in River Heights as well. I wonder if that made any difference mm-hmm. to it, but um, yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, it did. The stakes were so much higher, mm-hmm. and it was so much more interesting. Maybe that's um, why. and less like hometown mm-hmm. and like exciting, and like we had an actual literal cliffhanger, right? Um, <laughs> a chapter ending in this one, um, which was fun. Um, but yeah, so so much so different. Um, and so it, it speaks to like, well, then why was all of the series or the, I guess all the series that we read, why did it have to occur in River Heights? You know? Right. I guess it didn't. It yeah. was just fine, but we don't get any Carson, Hannah, no Deirdre, no Ned. Right. Um, so it really is kind of more what we're used to in that way. You know what I think would be a great happy middle? Because I always talk about, and I, and I'm always it's always, it was kind of baffling to me that like, I do seem to enjoy the mysteries that take place outside of River Heights more than I enjoy the ones that take place in River Heights. Really? But I love the River Heights lore oh, and yeah. River Heights, like, like, uh, like characters and like all of the history and everything. I love that so much. And that makes me so interested, but all the mysteries in River Heights are boring. Yeah. <laughs> They're boring AF. Like, I don't care about this missing girl that's not really missing. I don't care about who squashed the fucking zucchini. Like, I just don't. Or squash whatever. No, I think it was zucchini. I don't care. Yeah. Squash the squash. Oh, God. But I think what would be a great happy middle was if it's Nancy traveling around to solve all these mysteries, but we get, we still get our River Heights people cameo. Like maybe Harold Safer is in like Switzerland right. or something. Oh, and we're fun. like, Harold, what are you doing here? Obviously or like, for the Swiss cheeses. <laughs> uh-huh. Or like um, Mrs. Mahoney or something has tasked us with helping her cousin and wherever. Because we do see that quite often in the mystery yeah, stories. that'd be cool. Um, but then also we could get that like, it, not what the mystery stories do and that the, we, after we get the, you know, the introduction to the mystery we just absolutely leave it behind mm-hmm. we could have them kind of intersect like maybe the mystery that mrs mahoney in, uh, introduces us to uh, her, introduces us to with some relative in some foreign country or something maybe that has something to do with the mahoney business mm, that and mahoney cool. business practices <sighs> that like you know impact what's going on in river heights I like i'm that. just saying I'm just saying there could be there could be both. We could have both, mm-hmm. and it it would be glorious. But that would be amazing. <laughs> and maybe they do that at some point, and we just haven't gotten there. Maybe series, we just don't know. That would yeah. be best of both worlds for sure. Mm-hmm. My favorite part had to have been the nod to our our actual real Nancy Drew of history course. with Ed of and course. Harriet hiring Mildred <laughs> to write the story of Nancy Drew solving mysteries. Uh, that's just amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. This book was very, very meta. Yes. So meta, it like broke my brain yeah. at points. Yeah. Especially at the end there. Um, like, 
<laughs> pretty I didn't realize it right off the bat like because at the beginning we're just kind of introduced to Ed and Harriet and I was like oh, okay you know whatever but then when they brought up Mildred mm-hmm. I was like oh yeah my god yeah. it's Ed as in Edward Stratemeyer right. Harriet, as in Harriet Stratemeyer, and Mildred, as in Mildred Ward Benson. Who own a publishing company, as in Stratemeyer right. Syndicate, and then their ghostwriter. is like their author. Yeah. Yes. Who has been hired to write stories about Nancy Drew. So Nancy is... Mystery yeah. stories. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Very good fan service. Thank you, Girl Detected Series. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Excellent. Oh, goodness. Um, definitely. Definitely the highlight of the book. Yes. But it... I also thought that, like, their characterization of those people was interesting, because obviously this came out in 2005, and all of those people were deceased at this point. Um, And so uh, I thought that was the way they talked about Ed and Harriet, I thought was very interesting. Mildred, I felt like, was pretty spot on. Um, But Ed and Harriet, I thought, were just like, "Mm, (laughs) what are you trying to say? Oh, but oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah, they never actually give us any last names in the book, too. So we're, we could just, you know, assume that this is those people. But it is interesting yeah. that they made Ed and Harriet husband and wife and not father and daughter. Yes. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I even at that point, I had to look up. I was like, wait, what was Harriet Stradmeyer's husband's name? Because I was like, maybe her husband was also named Ed. And I'm just like, not. But no. Mm, no. That's definitely just her dad's yeah, name. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well, but yeah, no, it was great. Great in that sense. But I guess that can take us into our three words if we want to. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, coming off of that, then one of our three words has to be meta. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So meta. (laughs) Um, Probably like meta travel. There was a lot of travel in this book, like to San Francisco, to Hawaii, to Maui. Like, there was just a lot of back and forth travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also impacted, like, the the mystery, like, the whole mysteries based off the fact that Mildred traveled somewhere and all kinds of travel on it. I guess, yeah, I guess mythology, Hawaiian mythology. There we go. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. do you want to start our summary? Sure. So as we kind of alluded to, we start off our mystery in San Francisco. Nancy, Bess, and George are on vacation. No mystery involved at the beginning. They're just on vacation enjoying themselves. They hop on a trolley to do some sightseeing. They're trying to catch a tour of Alcatraz. This is, again, what I was disappointed <laughs> that we didn't get to. Um, but on the trolley, before they even really, they're like, maybe like, two hours into their vacation yeah. at this point, they meet uh, a local couple named Ed and Harriet. Um, Harriet, right off the bat, seems like stone-faced, like cold, like distant, like not super friendly, um, but whatever. But Ed is friendly, and they strike. They all strike up a conversation. Um, but as they're chatting kind of about where they're from, suddenly the trolley like jerks to a halt. Um, and Nancy and Harriet glance up to the front and see that the driver is like missing. Turns out he was just like slumped over in a seat and they couldn't see him, but they think <laughs> he's missing. And then the cable car begins to like slide backwards right towards a red SUV that's like struggling to get out of the way. Um, so Bess, of course, our uh, mechanic Bess 
now in this series quickly jumps into the into action knowing that there's going to be an e-brake at the back of the car so she runs over to the e-brake pulls the e-brake everyone is saved thanks to Bess and everybody is very grateful especially the other passengers on the uh, trolley like remarking on Bess's quick thinking and skill it's very satisfying yeah. for our dear Bess um, and we learn that apparently the driver had a heart attack um, and that's why there was this uh, almost near accident, but he's okay. The paramedics came. He's still alive. He goes to the hospital. I think we even check in on him later and he's okay. Um, but obviously now we can't take this trolley. So Ed and Harriet invite the girls to come with them to catch another one. And along the way, they all properly introduce themselves. And when Nancy tells Ed her name, he stares at her like super intently, um, which makes her super uncomfortable. Um, but she kind of brushes it off. They catch another cable car and then they depart later and like say goodbye. Um, so they go get their tickets to get on the boat to Alcatraz. And as soon as they're in line for that, who do they see again? But Ed and Harriet. Hmm. Well, what are you doing here? Um, Ed and Harriet invite them to come to a nearby cafe and get some hot chocolate. It's in Ghirardelli Square, which is a very iconic San Francisco location. Um, but this is odd. This is super odd because Ed and Harriet were headed home, but like they show up here now. Mm -hmm. And also Harriet's entire demeanor seems to have changed. Like she was like super aloof, but now she's like calling Bess dear and as being like super sweet and effusive. Um, but they're like, okay, this is kind of weird, but it is cold outside. So let's go get some hot chocolate. We can catch a boat tour later. Okay. Um, so they sit down in the cafe and then Ed takes a look at Nancy and asks, Nancy Drew, the famous teen detective, I presume. <gasps> <gasps> this is so creepy. Right. Um, obviously they're very surprised that they knew who Nancy was. Um, but I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility because she has been in like newspapers and stuff. Um, but just as this happens, and they're kind of ooked out by that, Bess opens a fortune cookie that she received with her hot chocolate. Um, and inside was a message that says, beware of new acquaintances. They may be older, but they are not always wiser. <gasps> what the heck? Okay, I just have to say at this point that this is absolutely never explained. This incredibly on the nose message right. um just some message from the universe i guess that this this was not intentional they just received this and, and yeah. then that's it it's it just spooks them out they freak out they say goodbye and they spend the rest of the day like touring and sightseeing because of this fortune cookie i just can't what oh it is really <laughs> weird it's super weird yeah and it, it's not like someone <laughs> sent this fortune cookie to right. them on purpose. That's to what like I thought had to happen. Yeah. I assumed, the, what I assumed, I was like, okay, Ed and Harriet are up to something shady, something to do, and then someone who made this fortune cookie or is somehow related slipped this fortune cookie in there to warn the girls about right. it, right? I thought, Surely that's what's going on. No, 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 definitely not. Just a creepy fortune and a fortune cookie that freaked you out for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and does lead best to, so like, funny. be the voice of reason once again. Right. 
Well, okay. This this also points to a theory, like points to our larger theory that Bess is like universe touch. Yes. Um, and like psychic and <laughs> has ESP and all of this Possibly stuff. Possibly a time traveler. Bess is the one who receives, right. Bess is the one who receives this message and is the one who like convinces them that they need to like GTFO, yeah. um, which is just speaks to like so much about Bess, like just knowing things that the others don't know. That's true. In a very <sighs> interesting way. Yeah. Lends to our theory very well. I like that. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, so obviously this this freaks them out quite a lot. And Bess is like, all right, let's get away from these people right now. Like, <laughs> let's hightail it yeah. out of here. Uh, so like you said, they do. They go out and spend the day sightseeing and touring the city. I think they do end up going to Alcatraz eventually. Um, and then I think they go back to the hotel and then they decide to go out for dinner that night. And what do they see at dinner? Ed and Harriet walk in oh again. These uh, creepy motherfuckers! <laughs> Uh, so obviously this is super creepy and they're like, um, what are you doing here? Like, we thought you said that you already had dinner plans and they were like, well, um, actually we, we tracked you down on purpose. We, uh, cause earlier in the conversation, I think when they were having the hot chocolate, they asked them where they were staying and Nancy stupidly just tells them the name of their yeah. hotel. Um, that's right. I forgot about that. It's <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, Nancy? Like you're such a good detective and you don't even take these like basic precautions when people are acting she has super shady zero sense of self-preservation mm-hmm. always yes. zero sense <laughs> she can't even remember to put gas in her car she true has true no sense of self-preservation <laughs> uh but yeah ed and harriet are like oh well we just called your hotel and we asked them where you were and they told us that you weren't in at the moment but you had asked the concierge for directions to a restaurant and so we put two and two together and now we're here <sighs> Uh, super, super creepy. Okay. Also, okay. What concierge is telling them the itinerary of like guests? Right. Like that effed up. Right. Like, oh, you need to be speaking to that hotel. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like that should be against policy to give out information like that. No, definitely. Whatever. Well, it definitely is. Yeah. Like they're not supposed to give out. And in fact... A, a hotel that they stay at later definitely doesn't give them any information. They won't tell them other guests, like, room numbers. No, oh, that's right. Or yeah. even confirm and deny that, like, they're staying there. So, like... Weird. Good hotels versus bad hotels. Yes. Just saying. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this was a bad hotel that gave out Nancy's information. And now Ed yeah. and Har- Harriet are here. And they end up explaining that, actually, they've been wanting to ask for Nancy's help with a mystery. But because she's on vacation, they didn't want to bother her or, like, ruin her vacation. And Nancy kind of laughs and is like, if only they knew how often this happened or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nancy kind of pulls it out of them that, actually, they are publishers. They own this publishing company called, what is it? crime time books or something like that yeah yeah i think it's crime time yeah um so they they own this publishing company and one of their ghost writers that writes for them but who is also one of their like personal friends and started working for them uh whose name is mildred she's one of their mystery writers um she actually flew to hawaii because her next book involves um or it's going to revolve around these night marchers that are these spirits in hawaiian mythology that um essentially like can hurt people um, if you come into contact mm-hmm. with them. And Mildred's next book was going to revolve around these night marchers. And she has gone to Hawaii to kind of research them and, and learn more about them. But she's now missing. 
Um, she got on the plane. We know that she was actually on the plane to Hawaii, but she never arrived or like after arriving, they don't know where she went or where she is now. So they're just super concerned and they're like, Nancy, we would really like um, for help figuring out where, where Mildred is. Um, they explained that they had actually already booked tickets to go to Hawaii themselves, but then something came up with their business and they call it an emergency. I don't know if it actually is, but they now they need to stay in town. Um, so now they have this idea that Nancy um, will go in their place. Um, and then there's this whole thing, well, there's two of you and three of us. And they're like, no problem. We'll just buy a third ticket to Hawaii. No big deal, right? Uh, which is also very suspicious. Like, why are they so eager to get these strangers so weird. on a plane. Um, so yeah, that's the plan now. They're going to go go look for Mildred in Hawaii. Um, they do do some brief checking to make sure that Ed and Harriet actually are who they say they are, like Nancy Calls, like to make sure that the publishing company is legit and all that stuff. And it seems to be, they seem to at least exist as people. So they're like, okay, let's go off to Hawaii. <laughs> I feel like this is how human trafficking um, happens. Just I know. Don't you want yeah. a ticket to Hawaii? Mm. And then it's not that at all. And I was like, where is oh, this God. going? I was really surprised when they actually landed in Hawaii. But... Yeah. <laughs> not some like, fake plane. Like, right. oh, get on our private jet. It's going to be great. Yeah. And then you end up like in like cold, frozen wasteland and like shoved into a hole in the ground. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Luckily, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They do make it to Hawaii just fine. Um, They get off the plane, and then they head over to Mildred's cousin's house to speak with her, because that's where they're going to be staying. And we meet uh, Mildred's cousin, Eliza, um, and her many birds. She has many, (laughs) many birds. Honestly, that might have should have been one of the one words at the beginning. It should have been, like, birds, because so many birds. Um, True. She tells us that she's you know, beside herself with worry about Mildred, but Nancy notes that she doesn't seem that upset. Whatever. She tells Nancy that she's called all the hospitals and there's been no sign of Mildred since getting off the plane. Um, she tells the la- Nancy that the last person to see Mildred was a passenger on the plane named Jamie Ching, who sat next to her. Um, but Eliza has to head back to work now. And Corey, she works at um, a bot as a botanist mm-hmm. at a cosmetics company. Yeah. They're also, so we didn't mention this at the beginning, there are also quite um, a lot of similarities between uh, this book and Creature of Capu Cave, yes. her interactive PC game. That might be why I liked it so uh, much I didn't, as well. <laughs> I didn't look up to see if it was an influence or based off of at all, but it would not surprise me in the least if it was. Um, there are certainly way more um, similarities between this and Creature of Capu Cave uh, than there were between Uncivil X and goes to Thornton Hall Absolutely. so I've never seen anything that says that this is supposed to be based off of it I've only ever seen um one of the mystery stories it's mystery on Maui I've seen that listed as like mm. the inspiration for it I don't know um you know I don't know so maybe I mean this yeah. absolutely could have been and maybe it's just never been written down but yeah. I I definitely yeah. see the the similarities yeah yeah so once Eliza leaves to go back to work, Nancy and George decide to snoop through her house to confirm her story. Well, Bess takes a nap. <laughs> I love this so much. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole book yeah. when there are like just no compunctions. Nancy is just like, well, time to look through all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and Bess is like, yeah, y'all have fun. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> 
lovely. So on point Amazing. for all of these characters. Yes. Um, I also love the fact that Nancy just at this point seems to have just like accepted that like it's a little bit of an invasion of privacy, but it's worth it to find Mildred. And I'm like, yes, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> we're getting into the right like morality groove with Nancy here. She's yeah. not like, oh, no, really, it's fine. And, you know, all this stuff. It's like it is an invasion of privacy, but I'm willing to do it. Like, right. perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but so they look through everything, um, and unfortunately, it does seem like Eliza may have lied about Mildred not showing up to the house, um, because they find a dress of Mildred's in the closet. It has, like, her name in the tag, um, and they also find a diary entry. I thought this was sketchy evidence, but yeah. they f- read through her diary that she had when she was, like, a teenager, and they find an entry from when Eliza was 15 that kind of describes a relationship with uh, Mildred that was kind of contrary to how she made it seem like she made it seem like they were super close and like best friends or whatever but like back when she was 15 she clearly did not feel that way um and I just kind of thought like okay well she was 15 yeah like they're full adults now it's very possible that she did hate her when she was 15 and now they're friends like whatever Nancy but okay um but so at dinner that night, Nancy asks her about the dress. She like straight up's like, hey, I think Mildred probably was here at your house. We found her dress. She does make up a story about why she was actually in Eliza's closet. So it's okay. But Eliza's super defensive about it. But um, her story is that Mildred gave her the dress five years ago, which also that makes sense. Also, I feel like that's a fine explanation, yeah. <laughs> but. Okay. Um, But the way she talks about it also doesn't imply a friendly relationship between them. Um, So that's interesting. That's also never explained. Uh, We never get an explanation of why they may not have a friendly relationship, whatever. Um, Nancy does bring that up and Eliza kind of denies it. She's like, no, we're excellent friends. (laughs) So whatever. Um, She does finally say that it doesn't matter. She knows what happened to Mildred anyway. Um, she's, she was abducted by supernatural forces is what Eliza claims. Obviously she's talking about the night marchers here. She says she will not talk about it though, until they get home. Um, so they're like, okay, let's go home. And they go home and Nancy brings it up again. But Eliza now says, I can't talk about it. I'm tired. I have to go to work in the morning. We'll talk about it later. Hmm. Hmm. This is odd. Yeah. So Eliza's being cagey. Eliza's being weird. Um, do we believe her about the dress? I don't know. Things are kind of stacking up against our friend Eliza. So in the middle of the night, Nancy wakes up because she heard a creak in the hall. Um, she gets out of bed to investigate and finds Eliza in a nightgown covered in mud and scratches. Um, Eliza says, I was out searching for Mildred. I barely escaped an army of ghosts. Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) oh this chapter is called the haunted message i didn't even like put that together but the san francisco part of things made me think of message in a haunted mansion Uh because they do kind of mention some of the whatever sorry anyway um (laughs) so nancy obviously she's shocked to see eliza in the middle of the night all covered in scratches and whatever and mud and all but um she doesn't 
believe her really she doesn't think that these night marchers really exist she doesn't think that she actually saw them like she claimed um but eliza's convinced that like mildred was taken by them she's adamant that she saw them tonight and nancy says well you know what okay sure take me to them then let's go and eliza's kind of hesitant to do so but she eventually agrees like yes i will take you to where i saw them tonight um so let's go it's like 3 a.m at this point and they're gonna go hiking <laughs> along this trail near a volcano right (laughs) crazy i know so they they go and it's really dark and everything's slippery so it's kind of uh a treacherous hike but they don't see any night marchers um and nancy's like all right well you haven't proven anything to me yet and eliza's like wait wait there's one more place that i know of where night marchers are kind of known to frequent There's this famous bluff where apparently back in the day, some British soldiers were sacrificed there. So Nancy convinces Eliza to take her there. They go there. Um, Again, they don't see any night marchers there, but they do see a piece of paper stuck between some stones near the edge of the bluff. So they go and they look at the paper and it says, help me, the night marchers are here. And then it starts to say M-I-L-D-R, like Mildred was writing her name, but then was like dragged off before she could finish writing it. so creepy so creepy yeah um but yeah nancy's not convinced that this is proof but eliza's like all right this means she's gone like there's no hope it's my fault that like i wasn't there to pick her up at the airport and now she's gone forever she must have like stopped on the way from the airport because she was so excited to start her research that eliza's just like oh no my cousin's gone forever and like what am i gonna do and she's really upset Um, but Nancy starts to wonder, she's still really suspicious of Eliza. She starts to wonder if maybe Eliza even had planted the note herself. Uh, but she doesn't say anything like that to Eliza. Um, the next morning after Nancy actually goes back to sleep and gets some rest, she's talking to Bess and George about this. Eliza has already left for work for the day. Um, and they decide that they need to compare Eliza's handwriting from the diary to what was on the note. Um, So Nancy's flipping through the diary and she actually flips to a random page and sees on that page um, something about, we went to grandpa's funeral today. If only Mildred and company weren't in the picture, I'd inherit all the money. Oh, big, big possible motive here, right? Right, right. Um, So... What Nancy decides to do is she decides to go ahead and get in touch with Harriet and ask her to fax her a sample of Mildred's handwriting so that she can compare it to the note, right? So the note does appear to match to Mildred's handwriting, but they decide not to take any chances. So they take it to the police station to have it analyzed by an expert. (laughs) So I just have to say that it's not only the River Heights police that will just fall over themselves to do whatever uh, Nancy Drew asks them to. It's also any police department yeah. in the country. Um, just like, absolutely, we would love to do that for you, Nancy. I can't I can't believe you would ask us to do that. We're so thankful um, that you would bless us with your presence. <laughs> Anything else um, we can do for you also... today? Like... <laughs> and some fingerprints ran real quick. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, also, it only takes an hour. Awesome. Yay. Great. I'm glad you have a, you know, handwriting expert right sitting right there who is waiting to do nothing but analyze <laughs> these things for us. Um, thank you so much. Perfect. <laughs> Crazy. Also, like, is handwriting analysis, like, is that something that the police, is that is that a science that that we use to, like, solve crimes these days? 
maybe I would say like maybe in like a court of law, you might have like a handwriting analysis expert or something. But we just that's just like a forensic test that we do on things to solve crimes. I have a hard time believing that they have an in-house expert that works for them full time. You know, that seems a little far fetched, but whatever. It also bugs me. It also bugs me because this is like probably the biggest like moving forward of the plot in this whole book is like analyzing the handwriting because that's basically what we do right? To rule out people. And that just feels like that's the only thing moving the plot forward. And it's like, nah, it doesn't feel real. You know, it's kind of like, um, okay. So while we're waiting for the police to do the handwriting analysis, (laughs) they decide to try to track down Jamie Ching, the passenger who last saw Mildred. Um, the police are not helpful in this regard, uh, but they do mention that he lives in Maui. So Nancy uses that information to call information um, and get in touch with him. Apparently, he's a surfing instructor at the Blue Wave Hotel. Um, Nancy speaks to him on the phone, but he doesn't admit to knowing much. He's just like, yeah, that's, you know, the last time I saw her, I talked to the police. You know, that's about it. Um, Nancy, however, still wants to meet him in person just to be sure that there's not more that he's not saying. So she books a flight to Maui for the three of them and reserves a hotel room at the Blue Wave. They then head back to the station to check on the handwriting analysis. Turns out that the handwriting on the note actually doesn't match either of the samples, Eliza's diary or the sample of writing that we have from Mildred herself. So it seems as though someone has made a convincing forgery, someone else that we don't know about yet interesting um but the girls don't have any other leads so they go ahead and head off to maui to try to track down jamie once there they decide to head to the beach where nancy and george head to the surf shack surf shack okay another parallel between us uh, between this book and capu cave um to book surfing lessons with uh jamie nancy using an alias and george Manage to do this, get to the surf shack, schedule these surf lessons, um, and they meet Jamie. He seems fine, benign, very nice, um, takes them out on the waves. Everything's going fine. They're surfing. Until Nancy spots a shark in the water, because of course she does. Yeah. Of course we see a shark. So she starts yelling, telling everybody, hey, shark in the water, you know, go in or whatever. Everybody gets the message, gets to shore. But the shark is coming straight towards Nancy, literally like about to take a chomp out of her, like opens its mouth, like coming for her. So Nancy punches it in the nose. Yeah, she does. Twice. (laughs) I just, of course, these drew punches a shark in the nose in this book. Of course she does. Mm Oh, I honestly, this this should convince you to read the book just on its own. Yeah. Like you should just read the book just because this is the book in which Nancy punches a shark in the nose. I want that like tagline on the cover of this book, right? <laughs> because oh my god, <laughs> oh my gosh, actually, she punches it in the nose twice. Actually, the cover does have <gasps> oh, a shark fit on it. Oh so. my god, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. It's oh, not Nancy punching the shark. I love it. But it is some no. good foreshadow. That's excellent. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, and then the shark swims away. So we're fine. Nancy makes it to shore safely. Everybody's fine. Um, she does determine from this incident, though, this is like her deciding factor in 
taking Jamie off the suspect list because he was just incredibly concerned about her safety. Uh, so she's like, oh, he's way too much of a sweetheart to have had anything to do with Mildred's disappearance. That's the deciding <laughs> Olga factor. Nancy. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Um, anyway, so Nancy's like, okay, well, it's not him. Let's all go have dinner together. <laughs> he's also apparently very cute. I'll yeah. just throw that out yeah. there also. <laughs> he's supposed to be very attractive. So that probably had something to do with it, too. Um He's like, yeah, totally, let's go out, um, but I do have to meet my sister tonight, so I'm going to bring her along. Sure, great, more the merrier. At dinner, we meet her. Her name is Robin. Turns out, Robin is getting her PhD in Hawaiian mythology. Mm, what a coincidence. This is a perfect segue for Nancy to bring up Mildred and the Night Marchers, but when Nancy brings this up, both Jamie and Robin kind of shift in their seats a little bit. Okay, mm. we're going to have to talk about this encounter later yeah. because I have some thoughts about this. Yeah. Um, Jamie, obviously not knowing that Nancy is Nancy, the person who like he had spoken with earlier because remember she was using an alias, um, admits some more details throughout this conversation. So he says, yes, he was in San Francisco with Robin's professor who invited him along to visit some colleges while the professor was interviewing for other teaching positions. Okay. Um, and then he flew back with the professor to Honolulu where he sat next to Mildred. He sticks to a story though, that like he didn't see what happened to her after she just, you know, disappeared at the crowd in the airport and he didn't see her after that. Okay. But when he pulls out his pen to sign the check, we see written on the pen in gold are the words Mildred's pen. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Way to stick to your story, dude. <laughs> so he explains this away he says oh you know actually um on the plane you have to fill out these customs cards whenever you arrive so i probably just borrowed her pen to fill out that form and then forgot to give it back to her uh no big deal right um so nancy decides hey you know maybe that professor who was also on the flight you said the police talked to him right maybe it would be a good idea for me to try to talk to him as well see if maybe he knows anything more about where mildred went or if he saw anything else um and you know what what happens but they're getting up to leave the restaurant and they see a man i guess like picking up a to-go order at the the hostess stand and it's the professor Wonderful. So Nancy goes over to him and uh, like they introduce him as being Robin's professor and all. And Nancy starts asking him about if he saw Mildred on the flight or if he saw anything. And he's like, um, no, absolutely not. Um, I have no idea who you're talking about. And she's like, well, you know, the police said that they spoke to everyone who sat like around Mildred. So mm -hmm. did they not call you? And he's like, no, nope, haven't talked to the police at all. Um, Nancy thought this is kind of weird since supposedly the professor, like Jamie and the professor didn't get seats together on the plane, but he was like just directly in the row in front of them. So that right. is pretty strange. Um, but okay, whatever. Um, Nancy the next day decides, okay, now we need to try to get a sample of Jamie's handwriting so that we can have the police compare that to the note as well. Um, Bess actually volunteers to hang out on the beach so that she can kind of like watch to see whenever he leaves the surf shack and then she can like go in and sneak in and there's this logbook that he's writing in. So she's just planning to grab like a page from that um, and then 
that's that's kind of the plan. Um, so Nancy and George, while Bess is going to go stake out the beach, they decide that they're going to go hiking in the Eau Valley, uh, which supposedly is a beautiful hike. Um, so they, you know, they just have a few hours to kill that morning. So they go on their hike. Um, but unfortunately, it starts to rain, like when they get close to this waterfall and they're like oh we should probably book it out of here in case there's a flood or something um so they leave they get back on the trail to head back to the car and who do they see ed and harriet have shown up in hawaii oh my god <laughs> if alarm bells aren't going off already why did they not start going off at this point <laughs> so terrifying right so nancy's like um what are you doing here? You said you had like a business emergency and that's why you had to stay in San Francisco. Like we took your tickets. Why are you here? Um, and Ed and Harriet are just like, Oh, uh, that old thing. It, it finished up way faster than we had planned. And we, um, you know, we didn't know how much progress you'd been making. And we know you only got here like yesterday, but we're just so worried. We decided to just fly in anyway. So now these people have sunk in like five tickets to Hawaii Whatever. This seems like a very expensive <laughs> venture, but whatever. Um, they, Nancy's like, okay, but like, how did you find us on this trail <laughs> here in Hawaii? Uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, so it turns out they're all staying at the same hotel as them. And when they checked into the hotel, they'd actually run into Bess, um, who told them, like, they pressured Bess into telling them where Nancy and George were. So that's when they decided, instead of just, like, waiting for them to come back, went and found them on the trail. Or call them. Right. This is insane to me. So and I creepy. do not believe it. Because let me just say, they just... They didn't fly to Hawaii, the mainland where um, Mildred was supposedly ha su supposed to have disappeared. They fly to Maui, right? And just why would they to do run that? Into Beth there? And just happen to stay at the same hotel? That makes no sense. You know what? No, they they do mention that they had called Eliza, who was like, "Oh no, they went to Maui to follow oh, this lead." Oh, oh, um, okay, so okay, 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 okay. Ed and Harriet did know that they were no longer staying with okay. Eliza. But still, that okay. took a lot of planning in advance, especially because they'd already canceled their plane ticket. And Nancy, Bess, and George right. have only been in Hawaii for one day now, or I guess this is day two, yeah. technically. So by like by the next day, they've already repurchased plane tickets to Hawaii and arranged to go to Maui instead of Honolulu. Bonkers. But, How much did your business emergency take up? Like, two hours? Right. Like... <laughs> okay. Um, Woo. Yeah, so Nancy's just like, why were you so obsessed with getting me here if you were just going to be here by the next day anyway? This is getting weirder and weirder by the second. Um, so whatever. They all go back to the hotel, and Bess tells Nancy. First, she's like, I'm so sorry. They forced me to yeah. tell you or tell them about where you were. And Nancy's like, it's fine. But what happened with Jamie? And she's like, oh, yeah, I was able to get the, the writing sample from him. They fax it to the police, um, and they very quickly confirm that Jamie could not have forged the note. It's just it's definitely not his handwriting. Um, but that is at this point, Nancy decides, you know what, I need to look into Ed and Harriet a little bit more because this is getting creepier and creepier by the second. <laughs> so this is where she goes to the front desk of the hotel and is like, can you tell me their room number? And they're like, no, we don't give out that kind of information about our guests. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think she like happens to see them like going up the elevator. Yeah. So she goes and looks to see what floor they're going to. And then she runs up the stairs really quickly and then waits until they're in their room. And she like sneaks over to their room and like listens at the door where she hears them like yelling at each other, like having a real argument. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but then she listens a little bit longer and realizes, okay, maybe they're not fighting, fighting. They're just really upset. Harriet is like inconsolable about Mildred being missing. Um, they're just, they're both kind of distraught. Ed's trying to calm her down a little bit. And we just hear him be like, no, Nancy's going to find her. It's going to be okay. Uh, don't worry about it. Right. And this is when Nancy's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to knock on the door at this point and just like ask them more about, um, Eliza and Mildred's grandfather and like the inheritance and the whole story behind who uh, Mildred and company are. Right. Um, so she knocks on the door, right. uh, Ed and Harriet calm down a little bit and she asks them about it. Um, they, she learns that Mildred actually didn't inherit any money either. It went to other people in the family. Um, so because it said Mildred and company, that was kind of misleading. There's this whole thing where it's like the grandfather was super rich, but then had twin sons. And then those sons yeah. were the fathers of I Eliza have... and Mildred. But there's a huge age difference somehow. I don't know. I have no idea why they felt the need to explain this. It's not relevant right. at all. It like it. it all, there are so many things in this book that was like, oh, is this a larger story? Or is like, is this relevant? Is this important? No, right. not 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 important at all but then i guess after having the twin sons the grandfather like remarried later on had more children yeah. and then like wrote off right. the first children from him so yeah. like that whole side of the family didn't get any of the inheritance so it shouldn't have been like eliza thought that mildred got money just because she was young and didn't fully understand the situation right. uh, but really there should be no like cause for jealousy or like trying to steal or like get mildred out of the equation because really eliza and mildred both got zero dollars from their grandfather <laughs> uh, so she calls eliza to confirm this and eliza does confirm that that yes i know this now that mildred didn't inherit anything um but you know i didn't back then so that's that explains the diary entry right. um so this now kind of takes eliza out of the equation nancy no longer considers her because she doesn't really have the motive anymore mm -hmm. Um, Nancy's thinking about it more and she's like, okay, well, who else, who, who else has mm -hmm. cause or motive or anything? And she keeps thinking back to the professor who, whose name is Alex Kailua. Um, so he is this folklore uh, or this professor of Hawaiian folklore who definitely knows about this topic that Mildred was super, super interested in. So she decides that, yes, he probably knew more than he was letting on. Um, she does call the police to ask about him. And they're like, yeah, we did speak to him, but they don't really tell her any other information about him. Right. Um, and Nancy's like, well, that's really strange that like they say that they did speak to him, but he himself told us that the police had never mm -hmm. called him. Um, so why did he lie? Um, she ends up, oh yeah, doesn't she call information again and like gets, no, she looks through the phone book. That's what it was. And she finds both mm -hmm. his address and his phone number in there. And she's like, ah, what luck? Let me call him. <laughs> so she calls him and she's like, you know, won't you tell me more about Mildred? You must know something more. Like, even if you thought it was insignificant, maybe you saw something and you don't maybe you don't realize that it was significant. Just tell me more. And he's like, um, actually I'm about to go on this hike. Um, so I can't talk right now, but maybe we could, I could tell you about it later or whatever. Um, and Nancy's like, uh, okay, George, let's go hiking. <laughs> we need to go. Cause he, he mentions the hiking spot that he's going to. So they go and they track him down at this hiking or they plan to go track him down at this hiking spot. Um, and Bess decides she's going to stay behind so that she can call the police if they aren't back in a couple of hours. Thank you, Beth. Yes, Voice Beth. of reason. Rationality. <laughs> Clear-headed thinking. Um, so, yes, this is when they go. They find the trail that they need to follow. Um, and then do you want to take it from here? 
Sure. So they're hiking up to this beautiful Haleakala volcano, and they're going to try to hike down into the crater um, to see if they can find Alex down there. Which, by the way, isn't Haleakala, isn't that the same volcano in Kapu Cave? I don't remember if they say. Okay. I don't remember. Uh, I I thought maybe it was, but maybe I'm... uh, It's been a long time since I played Kapu Cave. It's not my favorite, so maybe... (laughs) I don't remember. Um, But anyway, so they're hiking. They're about to start down the trail. But George pauses to read, like, an information sign. And then Nancy, like, scans over the crater to, like, see if she can see Alex from her vantage point. But just as she's doing this, a pair of hands give her, like, a sharp shove. And she goes tumbling over the edge. And I just think it's hilarious because they say not that she's she's not tumbling over her edge into the volcano. She's tumbling over the edge toward a very sharp plant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not to her death, but like to like some kind of injury. I just think it's so funny that we think that like tumbling off a cliff towards her death is way too much to put into a children's book. So it's not that. Don't worry. She won't die. She'll just get very cut up if she... If she falls. Impaled by this sharp leaf. <laughs> <laughs> um, as she's tumbling, Nancy manages to grab on to the edge. So she's literally hanging off the side of the cliff. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully, George comes over to help Nancy. She's like screaming. So she comes over to help Nancy. Um, and then a park ranger comes over and also helps like pull her up uh, back up onto the trail. Um George tells Nancy that while Nancy was falling, she saw Alex run, run off, get into a wet car and leave. Mm. Um, So the ranger's there. So obviously he's overhearing all of us. And so they explain to him what happened and that they now think that Alex is potentially uh, holding kidnapped Mildred. Um, He's like, "Okay, I'm calling the police. Please don't go to Alex's house because that's what they were discussing doing. Don't go there until the police have time to respond. It should be like 15 minutes. Please wait. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy's like, not into that. Let's go, George. <laughs> um, so they like wait until the ranger is like occupied inside like a ranger station or something. And they take off <laughs> um, to Alex's address. Once they get there, they peek in the windows and then off the upstairs deck window, like a, a sliding screen door, they see Mildred stirring on a bed and Alex like giving her like sips of water and like mopping her brow and stuff. Ugh. Oh man. At least he's um, looking after her a little bit. Uh, right. Uh. Um, but at this Nancy and George are like, we are not about to stand around and wait for the police. We're going right in there, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of insane. Like, yeah. You're standing on the other side of the door, hidden, looking in. You can see that he's not injuring Mildred in this current moment. Like, he's giving her water. I mean, maybe the water's drugged or something. I don't know. I guess you wouldn't know. But it seems like he's taking care of her. You could wait probably the five minutes it's going to take for the police to get here for some backup. You know what I mean? Right. But I think part of it, too, is that they're worried that they're not going to get the story unless they go in, find out what happened, whatever. (laughs) So they go in. Um, they barge in and they confront Alex and then the whole story comes tumbling out. Apparently he overheard Mildred on the plane talking about her upcoming mystery novel and about the night marchers. Apparently Alex is also writing a mystery novel about night marchers. 
And apparently he like needs this to go well and be successful in order for him to achieve tenure. This is where it falls apart. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. He's supposed to be a professor of history, correct? That's what I thought. I'm like, if you're writing a book, wouldn't it be more like, not necessarily (laughs) nonfiction, but it would be more research and like more about historical facts about Hawaii mythology. Definitely not a novel. Where Mildred is definitely writing fiction. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely you would not be able to achieve tenure as a history professor based off of a nonfiction novel. A fiction novel. Yeah. A fiction novel. I mean, if you were like an English professor, creative writing professor or something, I could see that if you had a very successful um, novel that was out or something, that that might earn you tenure. As a history professor, that seems crazy to me. You would want it to be like a factual research based, right? Like, be collecting your sources, <laughs> not be worried that the book won't sell as well if someone else writes a fiction novel that's also a yeah, mystery. Yeah, but that's totally that's totally his his concern is that Mildred's book is going to somehow compete with his his own mystery novel, and so therefore, on the plane when he learns this, he decides, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lure her back to my house. And the plan for him is to just, like, occupy her when she goes to the bathroom or something, get onto her laptop, steal her research, and, like, delete it from her laptop so that she can't, she doesn't have it anymore, and then that sets her back and gives him enough of an edge to complete it. Why not just steal her bag at the airport? Like, (laughs) Right? Um, But also, that doesn't work. Uh, What he actually does is knock her out. Like, he, like, hits her. With his fist, I want to say, or over the head too hard with something. So hard that it knocks and her unconscious for what? Four days. Five days now? For days she's unconscious. That's right, because she's an elderly woman. Yeah, she's, they say she's like have... almost 75, right? Or 70 yes. years old? Real, yeah. She's Yes, she's aging. And, and he knocks her over the head because he's worried that her book is going to compete with his. This is the lamest motive. Yeah. He also does admit that he forged the note that they found and left it for Eliza and like lured Eliza there by pretending to be a night marcher and like putting on a spooky voice or something uh, when she was like half asleep. How did he get her handwriting so accurate? I don't know. (laughs) Um, He also uh, admitted to luring Nancy to Haleakala on purpose to try to push her into the volcano. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he says, he says, like, oh, don't worry. I'm really a good guy. I didn't mean for any of this to happen. I promise. What? I kidnapped someone on accident. It's fine. Ah! It was all an accident. It all got out of hand. What the? I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're excused after knocking an elderly woman over the head unconscious, luring someone, pushing somebody over the edge of a of a trail to cause physical harm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about that that makes you a good guy. Right. There is no possible reason for you to do that that is a good reason. And it is certainly not her book was going to do better than mine. Right. <laughs> like, her book that was like, didn't they say it was even planned to come out at a different time than his book was? Like they weren't even going to be released together? Release date because the book hasn't been written. <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. I cannot. I cannot. Yeah, that was my biggest issue with it. This whole motive, (laughs) how everything went down. Just really, dude. 
Oh, this, this guy is a sociopath of the <laughs> highest order. Um, I also have other things to say about it that I have questions about that we'll have to talk about, too. Yes. Um, but anyway, the police come. They take Alex into custody. They take Mildred to the hospital. Mildred is already, like, looking more energized. She's okay. She's, like, fully woken up um, and is already excited at the prospect of using this altercation in her mystery novel, which she says will feature Nancy and George. Of course it will. <laughs> this is the point where my brain broke. Yeah. I was like, this is too meta. <laughs> this book is about... This is a Nancy Drew book that I'm reading about Mildred Wirt Benson writing a Nancy Drew book. Ah! About Nancy Drew solving her own kidnapping. About Nancy Drew solving this mystery that I'm reading. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Um, then we get a little ending wrap-up scene of Nancy, Best George, and Harriet all enjoying refreshments by the beach. And this is very odd, <laughs> this ending scene. Yeah. Because we learn that Ed and Harriet, like, confessed to Nancy that they were actually following her originally because they, they knew who she was right away. And they were following her originally to see if she would lead them to any mystery that they could, like, use in a book. Because also they write books themselves. I guess. Um, okay. Um, but then when Mildred went missing, obviously they decided to enlist her help. But that's why they were being so creepy, quote unquote, at the beginning. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were creepy throughout? Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> there was nothing they did that wasn't creepy. <laughs> Not until we get the like scene with Harriet crying because her friend is gone and Nancy right. Nancy decides that that's sincere enough that she doesn't need to suspect them anymore. Sure. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This book. <laughs> what the heck is going on? I... Do not, I am not convinced at all that Nancy actually solved that mystery. No. There seemed to be so much more going on that we have no concept of. Yeah. Especially with Ed and Harriet, all of their excuses for all of it were very, like, not convincing. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Like, this whole, like, oh, we had a, you know, a business emergency. Okay, fine. But, except if that was really an emergency how could you turn around and fly to hawaii like a day later clearly it wasn't that big of an emergency and if it wasn't that big of an emergency then why didn't you just let somebody else handle it and go search for your friend if that's what you were so concerned about right which clearly they were because harriet was super upset about it seems suspicious also this is my biggest question mark from this mystery is whole jamie and robin huh yeah okay that this is the thing. His he was saying that he flew to San Francisco to look at colleges, but that the professor was showing him colleges because the professor was looking for jobs. If the professor is trying to achieve tenure, right? Why is he's he... not looking for other jobs? Why would he? Why would he? He's trying to achieve tenure so that he doesn't have to do that. So so then my question is, if he's not really, he's clearly not really looking for jobs. Is he showing Jamie schools? Does Jamie think he's looking for other jobs? What is Jamie actually doing in San Francisco? I think in the book, Jamie tried to like explain the college tours a little bit, but it didn't make any sense. Like, mm -mm. no, it doesn't answer anything. It doesn't of that. make any sense with with what we learned at the end about the whole book thing, right? And tenure. So my thought is, well, clearly Jamie and Robin are involved in this somehow. Like. 
clearly they're lying because also when Nancy brings it up in person, they're very shifty about it. They like actually physically shift in their seats and seem uncomfortable. So why would they seem uncomfortable if it was totally normal and just a weird happenstance that Nancy happened to bring it up? Right. Maybe now, because this is like the police have talked to them, random Nancy has called them, even though they don't know who she is. And then now these perfect strangers are also asking. Maybe, I mean, that would make me a little uncomfortable as well. If I had nothing to do with something and now three separate groups have happened to have asked me about it, it'd be like, uh, is somebody trying to drag me into this? Am I like being falsely accused? You know, maybe there's that, but it also... It absolutely points to something else, too. So, But also, if that were the case, then it would just be Jamie who's uncomfortable because Robin wouldn't know about that. True. Yes. Very good point. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, clearly, what actually happened is this, just a, this is just a situation that's supposed to make us as a reader suspicious when it actually doesn't amount to anything. Right. But that's bad writing. It and is. so I don't want to actually believe that this is just poor writing. I want to, of course, try to find a greater reason for <laughs> the conspiracy behind what's actually going on. Maybe they knew, maybe they didn't help, but they knew something was up with the professor. They had, they yeah. had to have known something. Yeah. I think it is hilarious to think that in these books, at least in the girl detective books, that really it's not that the mystery writing is bad. It's that Nancy is just absolutely not a good detective and doesn't actually solve any of these mysteries. She just misses just like a bunch of like serious big things. That right. Are oh, gosh. <laughs> oh goodness because also we never really learn what the actual deal is between Mildred and Eliza clearly things aren't super peachy there right I mean maybe they are now maybe it was genuinely just they had a weird childhood they grew up and she could have just been upset and stressed and defensive because of the situation but yeah I don't know I just think it's funnier to think that we just missed it we just don't get to know (laughs) Well, and I was annoyed that, like, we didn't have a scene where um, Her- uh, Harriet, where yeah. Mildred and Eliza are reunited at the Reunite. end. Yeah. Or Harriet and Ed and Eliza. Yeah. Or, or Harriet, Ed and Harry- Harriet, Ed, and Mildred. Right. Because that was the whole point. But while Mildred's in the hospital, they're just all enjoying, like, their drinks on the beach. Yep. What? She's in the hospital. We should be there. They should have had like a reunion scene in the hospital where the doctor is like, she's good to go home. And then Eliza comes in uh-huh. and they have the reunion and then Ed and Harriet. Yeah. It's, oh, Take well. her home. Yeah. Yeah. It should be yeah. fine. But no, we don't get yeah. that. We never go back to San Francisco. That's just So dropped. Ed and Harriet would be like, okay, let's go home. And then Mildred would say, no, I can't go home. I got to research the night march. Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. We don't even really get to know Mildred at all. We just, like, Mm -hmm. see her in the very end scene where she's, like, not Mm -hmm. even fully conscious yet even. So we don't get to hear anything from her. Although there is something that I kind of like about that because we only kind of hear about her and experience her through, like, other people's, like, image of her. Ed and Harriet's and Eliza's mostly about her being, like, this really spunky, like, go get you know, action-packed or whatever. And then that kind of jives with what we what we when we speak to her later um but that's so like that's so akin to like how we like as the reader actually know like of Mildred is she's just kind of like this mythic like personality in like Nancy Drew history of like she's an adventurer she's like a real life Nancy Drew she you know was like out doing adventurous stuff even into like her older age 
And so I, there's something about that that feels very like, mm, yeah, like, that's true. It's really Mildred, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. So, that's a good point. I like that, but yeah. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, so in this book, one thing that I really appreciated, I feel like in the other girl detective books at the end, whenever we get like our answer to like, what's the solve of the mystery, right. we always get it like, after the confrontation, like we don't actually get the confrontation between Nancy and the bad guys. Like we're about to have the confrontation and then we skip it and we just get like yeah. the resolution from somebody else's mouth afterwards. But in this one, we actually got the the resolution, like the the motive and everything that happened straight from like the perpetrator's mouth, which I felt was like, yay, so much more satisfying to like have the bad guy confess, you know? Than not hear that and i know that like that's maybe not as realistic like the bad guy probably wouldn't confess like they probably would just shut up and not say anything but i still i don't know i really appreciated it no that was that was a very nice touch that that was different than the other yeah. books that we've read so yeah i think there are some there are some standout things to this that definitely make it better than the other ones but overall i feel like it just has just as many plot holes as all the rest of the nancy drew books sure, yeah yeah which is unfortunate, but oh well. It was still fun. It was still a fun read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, at the beginning, Nancy says, uh, Nancy mentions Ned. <gasps> yes, they yes. talk about, like, how she misses Ned or, like, George and Bess kind of, like, tease her about it or something. But Nancy, like, specifically says that, like, she uses mysteries to distract herself when she's away from Ned. And I think that this is a much better read on the whole situation yeah. than the whole Nancy is preoccupied with mysteries is that she uses mysteries to distract herself when she's away from it. That is from nice. It. Yeah. Well, that was cute. But... I mean, we know that that's not the case. She's actually just <laughs> no, away from Ned. And yeah, but no, that is nice. <laughs> she can tell herself that if she wants to. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, also, Jamie is apparently super hot, and yeah. she mentions that and brings that up, and she's certainly not thinking about Ned then. <laughs> she's like, I, I, you know, I just think we need to make go to Maui just to make sure, and let's take surfing lessons yeah. with him, and let's go out to dinner with him afterwards. <laughs> After he compliments her. Yeah. How pretty she is. On her quick thinking and how brave she was facing the shark. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll say as well, that alias she uses, she calls herself Nancy Marvin. So when Bess yeah. comes over and introduces herself as Bess Marvin, he's like, oh, it makes sense because you're just so, both so beautiful. It right. tracks that you're related. And George like, rolls her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, she thinks she's clever. Oh. Even though she called herself Nancy on the phone to the guy, and then she's Nancy Marvin. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Oh. Nancy does, not to change the subject too much, but Nancy does also say that um, going to, oh no, she says Hawaii is the only vacation destination that would be a better spot to visit than San Francisco, like in the whole world. Oh yeah. She also calls pa uh, San Francisco prettier than Paris at yeah. the beginning too. Like Nancy, <laughs> of all the places you could go in the world, you think San Francisco is number one. Hawaii is number two. And then everything... Know, Hawaii's number one. Oh, sorry. Hawaii's San Francisco's one. number two. Hawaii... Paris is number three. Yes. And then <laughs> everywhere else is just 
garbage. It's way further down on my list than any of those. So I'm sh- hilarious. I've never been to Hawaii or San Francisco. I'm sure they're both incredible, but I can't imagine that mm-hmm. San Francisco is like the number one spot in the entire world. Like if you could pick any city to go to, again, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure there's there's wonderful things to do there. I'm sure it's a beautiful city with a beautiful history and like all that, but maybe not a beautiful history. Very interesting history, but yeah. <laughs> storied yeah it's a very story yes that that's a much better word i'm sorry i know that there's a lot of not beautiful <laughs> things that have happened in san francisco as well but is right. there no other city in the entire planet that might be <laughs> a bigger draw than san francisco not to hate on it again i'm sure it's great but right really right 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 well it's also just so funny because nancy is supposed to be this like incredibly well-traveled person like she's supposed to have gone to so many places mm-hmm. but she's like my god san francisco so great so great it's better than paris yeah <laughs> better than chicago better than london better than new zealand better than like all of these other places yeah. that i don't know where she's actually been in the girl detective series but like like nancy is clearly well traveled mm-hmm. so it's just <laughs> it's like okay nancy i guess if that's your if that's your jam yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay can we talk about a little bit how like Harriet and Ed's biggest vibes are creepy. Yeah. And, like, they're based off of Harriet Stratemeyer and Edward Stratemeyer. Right. <laughs> I do like that in the end we, we learn that their relationship actually is a positive one, which may or may not have right. been the real case in real life. I think that there was some animosity, right. especially towards the end of their careers between Harriet mm-hmm. and, and Mildred. But I do like that they portrayed that in a positive light, that it really was sure. them caring about one another and that's that's what spawned all this but still i just think it's interesting as like a choice from simon and schuster yeah um yeah because like i think you know a ghostwriter or whatever can you know come up with whatever they would like to but clearly somebody had to read this approve it at simon and schuster yeah and simon and schuster like that was like a contentious thing yeah of like you know taking over the publishing of nancy drew from uh gross and dunlap. Oh, yeah gross and dunlap um and so it's just kind of like to call that out and be like actually we're gonna portray them as like these incredibly creepy people <laughs> it's like uh uh mm, ethically i don't know where i feel yeah. how i feel about that um and then the weird way to justify it all in the end like yeah. actually it was only because they were researching you nancy so that they could use like your adventures for a mystery <laughs> like that makes it any less creepy right they are so they're so creepy they're so rude as well and yeah. well and harriet at the beginning being all cold and like mm-hmm. distant until she realizes that it's nancy and then she's like oh Hey. What? Hey, dear. Come here. Let me buy you a hot chocolate and then follow you lunch and dinner and Hawaii. What are you trying to say about Harriet Stratemeyer? I know. (laughs) And then Bess being the only voice of reason, like, it's fine. And Nancy's like, I don't see any issue with accepting a plane ticket from someone I just met an hour ago, but whatever. Oh, man. There are so many different directions that this, this mystery could have gone. Right. So many different directions. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and we ended up with hit her over the head because he was worried that her book would do better than his. That's where we end up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, well. I could even see, like, 
she was gonna, I don't know, like write something in her book that was disrespectful of Hawaiian yeah. culture, or she was gonna get points about the mythology really wrong, and he wanted to stop that somehow. Maybe he was just really passionate about it, but just my book is on a deadline and I don't want competition. That's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> well, what I thought, it, and I thought that this was how it was gonna go, because Nancy brings up a couple times I think she brings up I forget to who and in what context but like could there be like could somebody be trying to use the night marchers like mythology to cover up like crime like smuggling or something like that that would be really interesting yeah and I was like well definitely we gotta go we gotta go with that right yeah we gotta go with that because that's super cool (laughs) I mean obviously not co-opting mythology of a culture to cover up crimes is cool but it would be a cool premise um but we didn't go that way at all that's also what made me think that it was influencing uh Capu Cave right um but so yeah because I thought, well, you could definitely read this book, see, read the ending, be like, well, that's a stupid ending. What would be way more interesting is what Nancy briefly mentioned a couple times that didn't end up happening. They even had the thought and didn't even go with it. But yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flashlight score. Oh, I got two more little things. Oh, yes, please, please. Okay. At one point, when um, after Bess gets the handwriting sample from Jamie, she's using what they call a portable fax machine that belongs to George. <laughs> okay, now I, I I've never sent a fax. I don't know if this is a real item I, that existed out in two thousand five. Like, were portable fax machines a thing? Is that real? I do not know. I mean, I, I still fax today, um, because I have to occasionally because, of my work and like confidential information. And for some reason, we still have not moved past, uh, the time where fax is like an acceptable use of technology. It baffles me because we can also do like encrypted emails and stuff. And that's typically what I tend to try to do, but sometimes it doesn't work and I have to, I like actually have to fax things. Sure. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I definitely have never used a portable one, but I do know that faxing used to be way more of a thing. Of course. Um, so I could see it being possible, but the fact that George would pack one and bring one on her San Francisco vacation, by the way, not Hawaiian vacation, San Francisco vacation <laughs> is crazy to me. <laughs> I've just Googled it. There's small fax machines that you can get, but they're still like the size of a printer. But okay, exactly though. That's, that's the point. She brought it on vacation with her and then has the audacity to poke fun at best for not packing lighter. You. (laughs) You're so right. She must've put that thing in her carry on or something. And like, like had to like, yeah. She's like, Beth, I can't believe you brought so many clothes. Oh, my God. <laughs> what What were you planning on doing in San Francisco that required the use of a fax machine that was so important that you couldn't just ask the hotel to borrow theirs if you absolutely needed one? Or, like, go That's to a Kinko's so or something? Every hotel has, like, a fax machine. Especially in 2005, every hotel right. had a fax machine. Right. Or at least there's, <laughs> like, I mean, Kinko's and FedEx were a thing back for? then that you could have gone and just used one there. Right. And then it's like this. Why did you have to bring all of your dresses? 
Anyway. Oh, my cheeks hurt from laughing. Uh, but then my other thing was that um, Nancy calls Eliza crazy. Um, mm. Like she I missed that. Let me find the, the quote. Um, um, so this is after um, she's just asked Eliza about the inheritance and she's confirmed like neither Mildred or Eliza got anything from the inheritance. And Nancy says, don't get me wrong. I was thrilled that Eliza wasn't guilty. Crazy as she was, I liked her and I wished her well. Crazy, crazy because she, she was. owns a lot of birds and believes yeah, in ghosts. Yeah, that's why I was like, is it the birds? Because I understand that a little bit. <laughs> but that's not crazy. Like, no, I mean, no, I'm no, crazy no. about my dogs. Like, does that, well, crazy you know, like. It's also like pets. a taboo word. Yeah, right. you also shouldn't use the word crazy because it's not. It has a lot of, like, historical, like, yeah. bad juju, you know? That's like, really harsh, Nancy, for someone who. Yeah is concerned about her cousin because she legitimately believes that something bad has befallen her. Right. Possibly these ghosts that she believes in or that it's that she owns birds and likes her pets a lot. <laughs> that makes her crazy. I was like, really? Nancy, that's harsh. But no, that's yeah. all I got. Yep. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that. Gross. Alas. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you have anything else? No, not really. Not really. Oh, I did. Oh, though I did want to say there is something about this book series and about like these books in particular that I was, I was literally, this was a shower thought that I had today. I was standing in the shower and oh, I was I'm thinking, oh, we're going to record today. What, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> and I was like, you know what I think is the biggest flaw in this book series and also in like the original mystery stories is the fact that we have to draw such like a demarcated line between our good guys and our bad guys. Yeah. And that our good guys have to be morally flawless and that only the bad guys, only like the actual perpetrators of the crimes are the ones who are quote unquote bad. Mm -hmm. Because I was thinking about like what Alex was saying about how, no, he's actually a good guy. Yeah. Clearly that is not the case. Clearly he's not a good guy. And that is very obvious, even to Nancy who calls it out in the book and being like, that is not true. You are bad. You know, clearly you've done these things. You made bad choices or whatever. But still, he thinks he believes he's a good guy. But that's okay because we know he's bad. However, all of our good guys, we have to go so far in like determining, no, they are paragons of moral virtue. They don't, there is nothing morally complicated or gray about them at all. <laughs> like um, when I was thinking about Jamie um, and how like he has to be totally disconnected from this in order for us to consider him to be a quote unquote good guy, just because he, you know, he can't right. be connected to the crime in any way, even if he didn't commit the crime for us to consider him to be a good guy. Right. And I just feel like that leaves out one so much of reality. I understand it's a children's book, right. but it leaves out so much of like reality and and makes the mysteries that could be so much more complex and interesting into something that just doesn't that is like simple and like not convincing and um like kind of feels fractured right it feels like well we're missing things because clearly this person knew something about it or like you know you know yeah so i feel and and we see that a lot in the original mystery stories as well right we get like our bad guys are bad guys just because they're bad and don't worry we completely absolve this person who is just you know a random passerby or whatever right you know? 
So I, I was just thinking about that and how this book kind of really illustrates that for me. <laughs> or maybe they were involved, but really they were forced into helping out. And then they felt right. bad, so they came clean and helped Nancy in the end. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about um, Password to Lark's Berlin, where the guy right. that works for the grandparents like was caught breaking in and all that. But mm-hmm. then, oh, really, he was trying to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I... I, I do think it's probably a lot to do because of the fact that it's a children's book, right? And they don't oh, want to be the people to explain to children <laughs> that there are like shades of gray in the world. It's like, no, no, right. no. Like, we can't do that. We can't be in the position of doing that. We can only say there are good guys and bad guys, and we need to make it very clear who they are. Right. But I just feel like in 2005, can we not evolve a little bit past that? thinking Should that way of it. thinking i understand in you know the 1930s the 1950s how that was a difficult line to walk especially when you consider like the newness of like media being directed to children right um like i understand how maybe we weren't ready for that kind of complexity <laughs> sure. but now it feels like can we not can we yeah. not make it a little <laughs> bit more interesting and more realistic but alas that's okay okay yeah well. <laughs> Uh, yeah i'm flashlights girl i would probably it's so hard because i want to judge it based on the rest of the girl detective series and if i judge it based on the rest of the girl detective series i give this like easily a four or five yeah um because it's so much better than the rest of them but i can't do that i have to judge it on the score of the rest of all of the nancy drew content that we have done yes and if that's the case i i guess i'll give it Oh, God. I don't know. A three? Yeah. Like a low three? Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad because, again, I, I liked it, but it, yeah. do I only think that because I've recently read so many right. bad ones? Like, Right. Had I just come from reading, like, Lark's Lane, I'd be like, this right. is trash. One. Like, yeah. No. Or, but... like, uh, or um, the final scene, like, oh. like a, a file. You would, you would give oh, this a two yeah. easily. Or even I'm thinking about like the games that we gave threes. Like, is this better than Waverly Academy? No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, it's nowhere near it. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'll say three. I'll say three as well. Yeah. I don't want to be too yeah. harsh on it because again, it was like a relief from from what right. we had been reading. But okay, I'm happy with a three. That's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, speaking of having read a bunch of stinkers recently. <laughs> Up next, this is this is the one we've been most excited to read in the Girl Detective series. This is yes. the whole reason why we wanted to read the Girl Detective series. This is the book that we're going to cover next. Yes. I think I would go so far as to say. Yeah. Um, I'll just read the back before I, I mention what it is. So, okay, yes, yes, yes. Nancy was going to tell you about this big mystery, but she just disappeared. Poof. <gasps> just like that. So now, Bess, Ned, and me, George, have the case of the missing detective on our hands. We've got to find Nancy. Let me tell you, the sleuthing thing is no joke. We've worked with Nancy on lots of cases, but we've never had to do it ourselves, and the stakes have never been so high. We think this might have to do with that possible museum theft Nancy was talking about. We're just not sure yet, but we're working on it. Wish (sighs) us luck. Where's Nancy? (gasps) Ah! Um... So this is the super mystery in the Nancy Drew Girl Detective series called Where's Nancy? I think it's the first one. I think they did three or four of these, I want to say. Mm. But I think it's okay. the first super mystery in this series. 
which is very exciting because we've never had one written from somebody else's point of view besides just the narrator or Nancy. Right. And now we get it from Beth and George. Or is Ned one of the narrators as well? Or is I it just Beth and George? I think so. So I see George, Beth, um, oh, maybe it's just George and Beth. George, Beth, George. Yeah, maybe it just alternates between George okay. and Beth. Yeah. Bummer. I would love to see some Ned perspective. Right? That'd be good. Maybe maybe also, in the future we'll get that. It looks like the person who owned this book before annotated it a little bit. Ooh, I wonder what they so thought I'm of it. So I'm excited to maybe read it, what somebody else thought about it. <laughs> well, that's exciting. It's very exciting. Let's hope we it's love a good our one. super mysteries. Let's hope it's good. Yeah. 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 I promise after this or after this next one, we will move on to better books. Oh, God, please. No yeah. more girl detective. No yeah. more. Yeah, I'm sick of it. But that's okay. Because this one should be Yeah, amazing. that is okay. I do I have know. to say, Corey, that I am so grateful to have started this podcast with you. Oh, me too. Because it really yeah. is just such a joy to get to talk to you, even when we don't particularly enjoy the books. Yeah. I just love spending this time with you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes the bad ones are, are even better because if it's good, it's good. And it's like, yeah, it was good. What else is there to say? But if it's bad, right. it's like, let's trash it. <laughs> <laughs> and then that makes it hopefully more funny. I don't know if sometimes okay. it's sometimes it's hard to stomach. Like the last one, though, is just mm-hmm. brutal. But sometimes yeah. it's it's so bad it's funny. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Yes. We will see you next time, regular Drews, when we yeah. discuss Where's Nancy? Yeah. Join us then. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at RegularNancyDrew and Twitter at RegularND. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.